Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Back, Saxon Jackson. Just when you think about somebody having a case on a Monday, <laughs> my man Matt was under strict instructions to never play that again until he could figure out what TV show it came from. And there it is. It's going to screw with me all day now. Monday's one? No. The, 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 that was the uh, opening scene for one of the classic 50s westerns. Well, I'll tell you what. That was actually uh, pre-set up from last week, so that must have been Andrew who's, who set that up for me. I'm actually no, not it, sure what that is. Wait, yeah. so it wasn't Blazing Saddled. I know. I, I, I think it might be the Big Valley, but I'm not sure. But now it's going to bother me all friggin' day. It's labeled as a JBL Wrestling. I'm not. But it was a it was a theme from a from one of the it wasn't Rawhide, but it was one of those '50s uh, big huge westerns. Yeah, it wasn't Bonanza. It definitely uh, wasn't Bonanza. No, I'm thinking it might be the Big Valley or something like that, or or uh, uh, what the hell was the other one? The uh, I don't know. The one yeah. with the uh, Cameron Mitchell and. Uh, we married mm. the young Spanish lady. What the hell was that? Hi, Chaparral. Might have been that one. Something like that, yeah. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't. Last time I looked all day and I couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't Big Valley? I Whatever it was, I, I dug through a bunch of the YouTube stuff and listened to classic Western stuff and I couldn't find it. So Matt's messing with me again. <laughs> if he likes to do it. That's okay, yeah, you know. Just every now and then, I like to keep you on your toes. S&P <laughs> Futures down 6, NASDAQ Futures down 13. You guys really didn't just dupe uh, Shazam or Pandora? Uh... What, what, what does that mean? What yeah, exactly. No. You didn't ask chat GPT? No, we don't do stuff like that. <laughs> well, I, I think we could do it during the break because you just put your uh, phone up to it and it tells you exactly what it is. Come on, let, guys. Let me see if I can try that now. Yeah. We'll do a little bit. <laughs> so we're gonna, we don't have any memory anymore. We're just going to try all this, kind of, all this kind of weird stuff. Well, the weird stuff helps out. Speaking of which, there I was, uh, minding my own business, trying to get... A backup phone, right? And maybe a tablet. Burner phone. Well, sort of. Except the thing weighs more than my other phone. Uh, my flip. The uh, so the uh, I, I I heard I got this great deal at T-Mobile. You know, everybody's, shif- everybody's shifting over there. So T-Mobile's just AT and T now, right? T-Mobile's merged with Sprint. Oh, they're, T-Mobile. They're the third carrier. Okay, so Sprint and yeah. they're the third member of the oligopoly. All right. Um, and if, you know, How's their dividend? God. <laughs> Actually, the stock's doing great. Uh, yeah. But uh, so we, let's see, Coca-Cola came out with earnings. They're up 99 cents. I guess that's good, even though I got the 64 put spread for earnings. I don't. I guess that's maybe a break-even. We'll see. Well, they're up pre-market. Yeah. Everything uh, else down. So this is how screwed up this stuff is. And I, I came close to um, some little nerdy dude. I came close to just grabbing him by the neck. But I, but I didn't. You know, I, 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 I think about it, but I don't. So I go into the, the store in Orland last week. I say, okay, like, what's the deal? Well, if you're over 55, you get, well, who knows, you probably get two lines anyway for the price of one. So they're going to give me a phone, a backup phone. Ageist. Uh, no, a nice one. Uh, 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 it's a flip phone, but it's one of those. Uh, Where's the millennial Sonom, phone? Sonoms. So I mean, it's, a, it's one of those construction ones with the camera. It's got an 8 megapixel. I mean, the thing's gorgeous. They're going to give me one of those. And I said, well, you know, I was thought maybe I'd have it on a tablet because I'm out at Audrey's. 
I, I, even though I have a, a decent smartphone, I don't like doing regular work, like for the show and stuff, on something that small. You know, it's just too small to do like regular work on. So it's it. So they go, you got big fingers too. Yeah. Plus they go, well, we'll give you a tablet. Okay, so they give give me the phone and the tablet. So I'm there for like an hour with this lady. She's very nice, and she goes. Uh, I said, okay. Well, we don't have like either one of them in stock. And I said, well, tell you what. I come out here every weekend. Next Saturday, why don't you just order the two? I'll come in and we'll sign you up. I'll get signed up. Well, no, we can't order them here. We got to ship them to your house. Well, why is that? Uh, well, that's 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 our policy. So even though you stack both of these items, you can't you, you can't even order them in the store. <laughs> no, can't do that. <laughs> nope. So we're gonna ship them to your house. All right. So and she says, well, of course, you know, if we turn if we turn it on for you in here, it's thirty five hours a line, so it's one hundred and five bucks. He's gonna change my old number too. But, you know, once you get it at home, you just turn them on and they're good to go. Well, all right. If you can program them. Well, right. yeah. So that, I didn't realize. It. The part where, yes, it'll be good to go. Of course, I'm a dummy. I believe them. So I get the thing delivered to the office. The manager get one of the SIM cards in. That one doesn't work. So I call the guy up, and the guy goes, well, what's your phone number? I said, I don't know. <laughs> because you didn't, because it's, it's like a three students. It's like a three students thing. We don't have a phone number. I can't get into your account. Yeah, but in Costello, who's on first? So I go, well, you know, you've got my... This and that, and he says, "By the way, he said, just open up the phone, go to settings, go to here, 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 and here, and it'll tell you what the phone number is." I said, "It says unknown." Oh, well, yeah, man, something's wrong. You better bring it into a store. So now I'm, gonna get, I'm thinking. <laughs> so you so went back to the store. Back to the store, and I get this. Please link. tell me it was the same person. Oh no, no, it was instead of the nice girl, some nerdy little dude who decides uh, he he wants no part of it because he's, he's not getting the sale. He goes, "No, we can't even touch it in here." I said, well, "How about?" How about I just give it all back to you? Oh no, we can't take it here. You got to mail it back. I said, you got to be. <laughs> we can't take it back. You got to mail it back. Where do I make it mail it back to? I don't know. Wherever, wherever they sent it. I said, so you can't even tell me what my account is, even though I signed all this stuff. You have all my information. I don't know what's your social security. <clears throat> you go, okay, here's your account number. Like, see ya. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to kill this kid. Right? <laughs> so then we get. Get over to Audrey's and there's and, and there's no there's no instructions at all putting the SIM card in there's nothing. So finally she goes online. And she has more patience than me. She managed to get the SIM card and, and the thing and it sort of starts to work. Well, of course, where they tell you in the first thing that we're to put this little thing in there to poke it so the tray comes out. Right. Well, first of all, they sent me two SIM cards. I, why I have no idea. And uh, probably in case the first one doesn't. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe. So we managed to get the thing in. So it worked. I still don't know. But you know, even though. So now you got your drug dealing phone. But but this is this is what's so screwed up about this stuff. Even though I'm paying for, uh, well, it's not unlimited, but five gazillion bytes or something, of being able to just the tablet actually has a line, right? Yeah, that's why they give it to you for free because they can sign you up for the twenty five or thirty dollar uh, data it's subscription. 20. It's twenty. So I got the twenty buck data subscription, but you can't start anything up from the data subscription. You actually have to have a Wi Fi to, to take all to download all this stuff. Right. Why is that necessarily? So thankfully, Audrey's Don't got a, a messenger. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just saying. So thankfully, Audrey's got a Wi-Fi. So she spends like two and a half hours, and well, now the tablet's working at least. Uh, so now I still have to port over my old phone. Now, how, how big of a fiasco is that going to be today? Uh, that's going to take some time. Well, Hopefully, do, all your data goes through with it. Well, yeah, she managed to do some kind of a double take where all the old stuff from the phone is now on the tablet. Yeah, good. Of course, I've got, in my new phone, I have one phone number, and they're Audrey's. <laughs> but you know what's screwed up about this? This is how messed up we, we've become. 
I went out to Westchester last week. Nobody needs to know all this stuff. Get a haircut because, of course, I got to go follow my old guy who used to be in the Seabo building. You know those guys. Uh, so I go out Hair there. looks good, by the way. Oh, thank Everyone you. Everyone can't see you, but looks um, good. At Audrey, of course, says the first decent haircut I've ever got from this guy, so thanks, Audrey. You know. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what he does. I'm going to the guy for until, he's, until he's not around anymore because that's just the way I am. Um, so driving out there, I, I don't have my phone with me. And I'm thinking, you know what? You're such an idiot. How many years did you drive, like, through Colorado at night and every other place in an old junkie car and never had a phone, never thought anything about it? So you quit being such a weenie. Then I realized well, it's, it's not me necessarily. There's no such thing as a payphone. And oh, by the way, I don't know anybody's number anymore. Uh-oh. I mean, I don't... <laughs> that sounds like a good way to get stuck. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying if, if, if something happened, I wouldn't even... I maybe know Audrey's number. I know my brother's old number at his house in Beverly. I can tell you everybody's number that I played basketball with in high school when I used to come up for a game or softball. When I used to have the landlines, I used to get their mother... Do they have area codes back then? Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? Uh, it, I was about... How old was I? I think I was maybe Matt's age before you had to dial the area code. There you go. In Chicago, because yeah. everybody was 312. Everyone was 312. Then you had to start dialing. And then we, then we, ended, up become, we ended up becoming 708, and then that was, that was, a, that was a total fiasco. So I still have on my, my phone, I still have a 312 number. Like Audrey says, don't, don't ever get rid of that. Those, those are valuable. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, a phone number. Well, now... My, my latest one, the new number is 224. When, when do we get that? Yeah, 224 is the replacement 847. So that's actually north suburbs. What the, we don't have 847 anymore? Uh, I think they ran out a while ago. I'm not sure about now. Well, but first it was 708. All the suburbs were 708. Yeah. Then they became 773 and 708. And right. Then it became 847. 847, 824. yeah. And now after they ran out of 847s, I think they started with the 224s. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about... So about market, we're down a little bit last week. The market, we had a couple of really slow days. The future stuff is slow. Even the gold has kind of slowed down a little bit. It's, it was over 2,000, then it went under. Now it's like 1995. It's right in the middle there. What, what, uh, what are you seeing? Are you guys busy at all over there on the floor? It doesn't seem any kind of a weather market and the beans are at a corner or anything. It's just, are we just in a... Well, we're lucky to be uh, somewhat ahead of schedule in, I want to say, corn planting. But so this isn't going to be... A year where you you, know, you you plant corn on your bathtub because the price is so high. It's going to be kind of a, I'll use the term, normal year. Uh, hopefully, and some people are thinking that um, El Nino will bring some rain to really um, help out those dry spots in, say, Nebraska and Kansas where it's just been consistently dry. Uh, California, uh, California not anymore. Was, was helped out a lot by... I mean, they, by, by two yeah, feet of rain. They by two, ton of rain, so they their drought conditions have have uh, abated. What what, ha- what happened word? in? A- but to give you an idea how far ahead they are, uh, in call it call it uh, you know south, Missouri is thirty percent planted. Where normally they'll be around this time, they're they're probably around ten percent. But now in Illinois, it's still too cold, right? Right, Illinois. Well, take yeah, Prince's last night was a frost, right? Right. And so if you go probably like Texas or so, they're probably more than half done now. Well, um, what are they planting there? Uh, Sagebrush? <laughs> they've, they've got their mixture of uh, some row crops and some cover crops. But All right, which uh, is in a row crop and a cover crop? Uh, 
call row crops what we think of, you know, corn, wheat, beans. Uh, but corn here, I want to say, we'll really get into it in a month or so. So, Well, because, yeah, you don't want to be... What to, if you could do a chart, when, when I first started the business, my brother Dan was trading corn options. Well, we, we, I first came down here and, uh, well, just talked what to What else guy. is south? I guess Louisiana. What, right? what are they, they have a swamp. It's not a swamp. What do they got down there? Nothing. Yeah, but they still have their crop progress that came out last week. So call it maybe What's their... What's their crop? Alligators? <laughs> Man, got some... Uh, or corn. I guess they got cotton. They got, they, they got they, a bunch of yeah, rice. They, so... So you they they're probably double of what they normally are. Who's, who's the biggest rice state? I was reading the other day. There's a big shortage. There's going to be a shortage of rice this year. Don't we? Don't we? You know that's such a small contract. I haven't. I've looked at it once for somebody who, who wanted to do some OTC stuff, over the counter stuff, and I couldn't even find somebody to, to trade with them. Well, we actually, when I say we, the U.S. actually is a huge exporter of rice, aren't we? Yeah, again, I'm uh, the only crop or the only contract I'm familiar with is the is the board of trade contract and it almost never trade I mean it's not a big no I don't think it's a big it's a big trader or hedger I just I think yeah. we actually grow a lot of it and ship it yeah which you know I guess that's good I, I, I wouldn't know about that one but but yeah it's the, the well, weather okay. when you say weather I instantly think you know it it's not so bad and and as long as we get some rain in that Kansas Nebraska area you know before <laughs> June or yeah, you know you got to get something. Well, we don't need another uh, dust bowl. That was Oklahoma, but still. Yeah, really. What? Yeah, I, I know that when we, my brother started down there. I mean, Dan, uh, you know, now that he's president of PTI, he's kind of uh, not as up on this as he used to be, obviously, because he has other stuff to do. But he could tell you every latitude or every what, what's what's east and west. That's uh, it's latitude, right? East and west latitude, north and south longitude. Yeah, yeah. So he could tell you, you know, every latitude. Uh, whether you could plant corn or not, and how how many days you needed, and how if you were really pushing it for the frost and all this other stuff, and I'm going to say that that between the combination of seed fertilizer, maybe even a little global warming, although it's more seed, that, haven't they cut the amount of time corn needs to be in the ground from like 120 days down to like? What you're or referring something? to? Are you talking about the planting zones? Yeah, but I mean, it, it, but the amount of days it takes to for a a fully mature corn crop is down from like 115 to 98 or 99 or something. Yeah, the productivity has gone up, and I'm, I'm assuming that has to do something with. But I mean, if you if how the, they're impacted every, by disease, every 20 miles you go north, you need like another day or something, right? Well, and if you start in southern Illinois, uh, that's seven uh, A or whatever, whatever. Uh, you get all kinds it's, of time it's a different, you, Yeah, it's you, a different climate. And you can plant corn in June there and still get it because it's still okay in October, right? Right. So there's probably one, like, say, call it three major zones in Illinois. So if you uh, start out south and then to Springfield is, is really the different temperatures and, and uh, temperatures and climate and then north of Springfield and up into, call it... Uh, if you get all the way up to Rockford, I mean that's different. Well, I mean, I'm saying that there, there, somebody somewhere would would tell you that with this particular seed, you need 98 days. And oh, by the way, in a normal year, you can plant this thing as far north as say Madison. 
or, or if this other one takes 95 days and you can plant it as far up as, you know, 40 miles north. I mean, people are really into it. You know that. People are really into where you can put this stuff. I mean, right. It's all about f- where, uh, when and where frost happens. Right. So, and if, when you can plant it. Right. If you're in northern uh, Illinois, you know, you can get frost up until May. Yeah, so, so you're talking May to if you're mid-September. If su- southern Illinois, uh, f- April, you know, the beginning of April, you, it that's that's like uh right so if you're doing middle eight. of may to, to september that that's four months that's essentially 120 days you probably need 125 days for corn and it with some of the seeds you probably get it down to 110 and if you do that you probably can get the madison or someplace anyway cause when i when i when i went way back in the day there was a already well, met these people up in uh god they were near monaco or someplace what it was where's that wacky huge building it's all haunted and stuff up there spring spring lake or something i've never been in that one well you, you especially go to madison and turn left and a great little town of uh, I, I, I could find it on the map but this guy she ran to these people and they had a bed and breakfast up there so we'd go up there and hang and you know you go into the town or a great you know great little steak joint and of course she was into riding so this guy had a but talk about a career the guy had a dairy farm and then they had uh the bed and breakfast they had uh he he used to raise like horses for people. Uh, they had like a riding stable, and they also uh, ran cattle for I think it was Morgan Stanley or somebody, where they would get the, the cattle away from uh, the mother, for lack of a better term, and they would keep keep them out on their spot for I'm going to say what, maybe a year. Well, and they he got paid like a penny a pound for every pound that they they uh, gained, and they had pound. All, Penny, oh wow! So, but it, the corn up there was not the corn you're talking about because they were. It's kind of hilly, but they would plant corn, and then at the end of the year they would just kind of knock it all down. They wouldn't harvest it. It was you know you couldn't really. I suppose you could have done some of it, and all the cattle just run out there and chow it all down on the field. Half, half, you know, they eat, eat the corn and the, and the plant and everything else, and they'd gain some weight and then send them to the feedlot after a while. But so he would be out there like you know with the horse riding, actually doing like you'd see in the movies. Huh. So of course, Audrey out there is doing it with him, and I, I'm on this horse. I'm not. I like for me horses are something you bet on, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love Secretariat. I didn't ride him. You know, one of those guys. So she puts. What's it, the size difference between you and a jockey? Oh God, a little bit. Uh, it's a double. Oh, at least. I think it's double. Oh God, yeah. Those guys, <laughs> those are, like guys 90, are tiny. They're like ninety pounds, ninety-five pounds. Oh but man, they, I'm you know, double. I'm going to say that most people think that they are, except for maybe a boxer. They're the greatest athletes in sports. You think Coach is listening? Would he triple? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> Coach would be. A, he'd, Sorry, he'd, Coach. He'd be. A, he'd be a jockey if they were Clydesdales or something. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know they get, they got some bigger guys in the sulkies, but the harnesses. They had some bigger guys driving. I don't think he had to be ninety pounds to be a, a harness driver. Oh, but the, anyway, so the, but they would. So she gets gets me on this horse, and of course, what do you think the horse first does? You know, it's an icy day. He turns around and looks at me like. What, get what off! You, get, get off! What am I doing with you? I wasn't. I was. I was slender then, but still, he knew I was a rookie. He knew I had no idea how to ride. So, we're sitting out there. It's it's like five degrees, and the guy keeps slipping on ice. I'm thinking, if this guy goes down, what's what's my leg gonna look like? I was never so happy to get back. It's, oh yeah, <laughs> to I, get back I, on I really, solid ground. I, I really enjoyed my ride. Where we go to dinner, I need a drink. One of those kind of things. Meanwhile, Audrey's got this horse. That the thing it sees cattle not where they're supposed to be, 
and the thing starts running in place, prancing like he needs, to go, he needs to go down there and do something. So the guy goes, okay. <laughs> Is that instinct, maybe? Oh, they, they, it's all training. It's, it's all the horse that does all. I mean, the, the rider, I mean, you, you teach the horse, but after a while, the horse knows how to do it himself. So all of a sudden, the guy goes, well, let's go. we got to move those two. They, they're away from the herd. we got to move over. They fly down there, and her horse is, like, cutting this guy back into the herd. The cow's moaning, p- pissed off at the horse. I'm sitting there going, what am I doing? You're in the middle of a... No, I, yeah. my horse had no part of that. I'm sitting he, he wanted to go back to the barn as much as I did. So, anyway, that was my, my horse ride. But, but these guys, that's how they had a lot of corn up there. But the story is, it, it wasn't really harvest kind of corn. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have a... The field corn field, versus this. Well, I mean, they just knocked it all down for them. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think because of the hills and all the other stuff that they could ever have competed in the, you know, the corn business type of thing. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a fascinating business. It really is. We've had guys on the show that uh, I, I do remember when we first started the show. Somebody who you know, twelve years ago, I'm going to say if you got 200 bushels an acre. You were genius. You were a star farmer, and you had a great year. Now, now you can do that. I'm not so sure if you're under 200, unless the year is really lousy rain wise, that you're not a dum dum. Now, say they they get really behind this year. Yeah. You know, if if you go, you know, two weeks too late, you could lose, say, 15 to 20 percent of yield, though. So it it really. But aren't there exact dates when you say screw it? You put in soybeans. Ah, uh, I mean, soybeans are much more forgiving, but They're also less less time, right? Yeah, yeah, they go in, they go in later. But the uh, what was I going to say? The timing is is also dependent on what the government will give you in guarantees. So okay. if you can't, if you, if it's really if you're not going to make a profit, you might as well just not do anything, eat it, and take the insurance from the government. And so you don't necessarily have to, you know, burn all that money trying to do something. In recent years, the government has encouraged, uh, say, when we thought we were going to have problems, <clears throat> excuse me, when we thought we were going to have problems, the government has gone ahead and said, you know, for, we'll guarantee the price, uh, please plant and, you know, sell what you got. So that happens, and that depends on kind of the price floor they put in on them. Well, what, uh, the, if you want to do any more research, it's called prevent plant. Well, explain, if you can, Lucy, to the to the listeners, how come even though corn is uh, a lot, well, the, the the bushel it's per bushel it's uh, it's what about maybe a third of the price of soybeans, right? Um, um, you know, it costs anywhere from say four to eight bucks. But still, when we, well, I guess explain why and beans are now call it fifteen or sixteen bucks, so double, yeah, yeah. right. So. But but still, it's the uh, um, if you had a choice, why then the, the farmers always rather plant corn, even though they got to pay for fertilizer and is it that much more yield per acre? Uh, it bushels per acre. It just works out such that you we get two hundred for corn. How many do you get for soybeans? And I I think I think that has to do with ethanol subsidies. When I think forty percent of the crop goes to energy generation, so that messes. Or that's more of a guarantee, I guess. This is spe- I'm not. You'd have to ask the actual farmer about oh, that. But, but okay, but so if you do the math, uh, corn gives you say 200 bushels an acre times 750, so that's 1500 bucks, right? Yeah. Okay, so soybeans are going to get you 15 bucks. So obviously, it must be less than 100 bushels an acre you're getting because you also need to have a lot more fertilizer with corn, right? Yeah, you need more 
you need more. Uh, I, I think a good a good yield would be above sixty. Okay, so you're you're definitely doing better with corn. Yeah, but if the beans go to sixteen bucks, uh, you know, it's been corn is five. You know, yeah. It, well, it, it depends. I mean, if corn gets down to when my when my brother started, a guy says an old fart who probably is younger than my brother now. Uh, walks up and says, "Son, corn costs two fifty a bushel. If it gets up to three, you sell it. If it gets down to two bucks, you buy it. It's as simple as that." <laughs> yeah, what farmers really do is look at the margins and then try to figure out uh, what they think their yield is is going to be, and then just m- do multiplication. If you can get that margin easier with corn, they're probably going to want to do that. Well, the, the beauty we're going to dash here in a second, but the the beauty of of like still to the, to this day, I think. Well, that's what you do. I mean, you do you do the the crush, and there's 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 different types and times and why it gets quote out of line or back in line. I mean, the board of trade used to have um, a real lot of members, and some guys would stand there all day long and slug it out and try and be the bidney offer and scalp all day. And if they went home without a position, it was a good day for them. A lot of guys like to do that. There were other guys that waited like a decade for one or two spreads to come out of line, maybe be it September, be it July, be it, you know, whatever, uh, December versus September, and they would load up on that spread, and if they made, you know, $3 million in a decade, they made 2.5 of it in two years, right? There were guys who yeah, just played Yeah, those. definitely. Then there were guys who waited for corn to get to under 2 bucks, would go position limit, they'd come down here and have breakfast and drink and... <laughs> and, and wait for, they, but they never they had no interest in standing in the pit and trading and all that. So there was an awful, an awful lot of people that made markets and all kinds of different stuff, and people were experts at different things, right? Yeah. That's why so it was such a fascinating some industry. Some people, you'll see the spreaders uh, really trying to go front versus back, and by that I mean the the futures months. So right now, if you're trading July, uh, you can spread it to next July or go out to, you know, well, because the difference is, if you trade if you trade an IBM, December IBM is the same as July IBM, right? It's not the, it's the same underlying. Oh yeah, a better term. Yeah, there's no new stock issued. Yeah. No, but Whereas, but the December corn versus is it December July corn's on, or is that soybeans? One of them's on December July, and one's on November June. Anyway, well, beans are usually November. Okay, so beans are November contract. June, right? E- uh, November, Jan, March, May. July, July, August. okay. So, but I'm saying the the big months are are November and uh, July, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because those are the, those are the two the two alleged different crops. Even though Brazil and the rest of these places kind of mess it up, they are two totally different underlings. Correct. Not like IBM. So, yeah. anyway, S and P futures uh, not only down a buck fifty. Nasdaq futures are actually up four bucks. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. So, Matt, with your high-tech stuff over did you find out what song that was? You know I did, actually. I forgot to mention that. Hey, the uh, I did my Shazam, and it came up to be... This is what it says. So it, the tag we have on it is, is correct. Uh, it says JBL Wrestling, and it's because it is uh, created by Jim Johnston uh, for the... Uh, uh, John Bradshaw Layfield. Uh, oh, John Layfield. A... He's, he's been on the show this few times. Oh, I see. Okay, so that well, makes sense. So we probably we probably had it for him. But yeah, it was not it was not for any show at all. It, it was, it's just made to sound sound Sounds very familiar. Like yeah, like like a, an amalgamation of all the different uh, shows. John Layfield is married to uh, oh god, I forget the name of the lady. She's mm. been on CNBC all the time until she she either predicted some huge crash and it didn't happen or something. Mm. She was on CNBC all the. A blind, real, real pleasant, real nice, pretty, very bright. And she's married to John Layfield, and they live in uh, Bermuda. Wow! So John used to call in from Bermuda, talk about wrestling, and t- I mean, he's a big investor too. Real no nice, kidding. real nice guy. That's cool. Yeah, we should, we should get him back on again. We, yeah, we should. I mean, well, you're our assistant executive <laughs> producer. But no, he'd love to come back on. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't see his wife on TV, but she's probably still managing money. Mm. But, but he was. Uh, 
He had like three or four different names as wrestlers, <laughs> Greg. And every time you go to a new a new uh, group of wrestlers, be it you know the different guys, you always, you always get like a new name. You go from being a good guy to a bad guy, or then back to being a good guy. It's mm. an odd odd sort of odd sort of situation. Like The Rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I went. To, I'll tell you about one the of those. The Undertaker. We went, I went to one of those. Dr. J got his tickets one night. Anyway, we'll do this first. S&P futures down two and a quarter. NASDAQ futures down three and a quarter. Uh, S&P futures down. I mean, Dow futures down thirty-six. So not much going on over in Europe. We've got the uh, uh, DAX up two. Call that flat. FTSE down four. Call that flat. Cac around up forty cents. So let's just say if you're trading in Europe this morning, you're sleeping. Uh, Asia got the Nikkei up twenty-nine. Call that flat. Hang Seng down 115, it's 0.6%, back under 20,000, 19,959. Shanghai down 25, uh, 32.75. The, uh, not sure why those guys are down, but the Nikkei is not. Uh, Friday, we were up a little bit, but still down on the week. That was, ended up scratching up 22, S&P up 3, NASDAQ up 12. Uh, bonds, down 4 basis points, 3.53. We've been in this 3.556 area for quite a while now. Bund is unchanged. Japan up one basis point to 0.48, where it's been now for quite a while. Oil down 16 cents, well under 80 bucks now, 77.71. Uh, Brent down 25 cents, 81.41. Natural gas down 3 cents, 2.20. Arbob is down a penny to 2.58. I'm saying Arbob's down from 2.80 to 2.58. And gasoline was up again this week. So it's up from 3.64 three weeks ago to 4.25, where I buy it. Yesterday, so at the same time, Arbob is down 30 cents. Explain that to me, Greg. How does that work? Profits. Uh, I think it's uh, the state and taxes or something or just whatever. Gold up five bucks, 1995, trying to get back over 2,000. Silver up nine cents, 25.15. Copper unchanged, 3.98. We've got Bitcoin down 29 bucks, 27,468. A long way from that 30,500 it was last week mm. or two weeks ago. And we've got the U.S. dollar pretty much unchanged, but the euro is 110. As the dollar is down a little bit against the euro, unchanged against the pound, 1.24. There you go, Matt. What do you got for us, Trevor? Weather Sports. Yeah, well, good morning. It is currently 6.39 a.m. on April 24th, 2023. Uh, this morning in Chicago, clear skies, 35 degrees currently. Expect a mix of some clouds and some sun today. Uh, this week, we're expecting to see some nice weather, and by nice weather, I do mean sunny skies uh, through Wednesday and Friday, although some light rain expected next Saturday. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies. Today, 71 degrees and a high of 92 later on. In the MLB yesterday, White Sox against Rays. Sox lose 1-4. to four. The Rays are really tough. Yeah, Cubs lost as well, 7-3 to three with Dodgers. And Diamondbacks lost to San Diego Padres, 5-7. to seven. All of our teams losing today. Uh, Sox and Diamondbacks uh, back to play tonight. Last night in the NBA, Warriors beat Kings by a narrow 126-125. to 125. Knicks beat Cavaliers 102 to 93, Celtics beat Hawks 129 to 121, and Timberwolves beat Nuggets 114 to 108. They stretched that series. It could have been out last night. Yeah. The uh, Boston is that four for Boston? They're, they're done. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Um. They, so who's who's left? Uh, well, you, you can do that ne- next. We'll time. do that math. Yeah. Uh, next break. break. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed. John, how are you? Tom, I'm good. Good morning, Matt and Greg. Good, good morning, morning, John. So, uh, what? Um, Want to talk to John a little bit? Uh, and Greg is kind of up on the subject. Who knows? He might get a pop in from Kevin. Is this lawsuit this, that the University of Chicago is starting to uh, allegedly going to settle out of the 
16 universities, of which Notre Dame is one of them, right? Northwestern yeah. and... Uh, Yale. Yeah, let me just uh, kind of set the the tone here. I mean, I boy, oh boy, it's been a long time, but I don't really remember the uh, the Notre Dame application so much, although I, I did uh, qualify for like a $200 scholarship, and because we didn't, uh, my parents didn't ask for any kind of aid, they felt we didn't need it, so I never got the 200 bucks or something along those lines, uh, which is fine. Uh, but then when I went to Chicago, I seem to recall, uh, Jan, that you and Greg, that you you applied for the school, which is a big application, certainly in University Chicago Business School it was. And then uh, somewhere along the line, they asked you if, uh, if, you, if you were going to apply for financial aid, but I don't think he gave him any sort of details at all uh, while during the application process. You might have had to say whether you were or whether you weren't, but with the, with the education, three grand a year, and only having to go two years, you know, and I could work on weekends. Uh, uh, I, you know, I didn't didn't apply for any. I mean, basically, my whole University of Chicago education is less than one class now, which is a whole difference. And and I had guys like Milton Friedman and George Stigler, so I didn't have schmucks. Uh, but now it's it's gotten so ridiculously expensive. But the idea, the economic idea, I'll just give the background of how these schools become. The, the arbiter of who gets money and who doesn't, where you ratchet up your list price. And it, it's been there so long and so gradual that everybody thinks it's it's normal. But you would never think of going into a food store and there's hamburger and you say, how much? I don't know, who are you? What, what do you mean, who am I? How much is the hamburger? Well, it's four bucks but because you, you look like you got some dough. But if you, if you don't, we might sell it to you at three bucks. I mean, I'm not saying about charity and giving it to people who might need it. I'm saying is that you the idea of having this multiple price thing where the the essentially the merchant is the purveyor of who gets what. God, you look you look like you uh you don't have any clothes uh, that are decent, how about if I give them to you the hamburger's two bucks. You would think that their job would be to sell hamburger and it would be the state or or somebody else's job, Catholic charities, whatever it is, to say uh, John, you can't afford hamburger. By the way, go buy two pounds. Here's four bucks. You you would you wouldn't confuse. I'll say co- confuse the roles. I mean, why University of Chicago or Notre Dame or Northwestern becomes the arbiter? No, we really want this guy, or we need somebody from Sri Lanka because we don't have anybody from Sri Lanka, so we're going to bring them here for free and charge the other people more. I mean, how would it ever evolve that way? And I'm not I'm not talking about whether. It, uh, you know, people from Sri Lanka should be there or not. It's usually the other way, yeah. though. Well, but I'm saying the, the international students were paying full well, freight. Well, either either way, it depends. If you if you're from China, yeah, and you can pay, they do. If you don't, they want they'll want somebody from God knows where. Yeah, know? but why would you want to admit the international students and take up space? Well, but because you want Harvard. Harvard does. Harvard wants this balanced university. Mm. They they don't want. <laughs> why well, I, I know a guy who raises money from Harvard, and yeah. he went to Harvard. And they, they told him straight up, this is no longer a school for rich people from Boston. It's we a want, hedge fund. No, we, we, want this, <laughs> we, we want this world type of thing. It's a tax-free hedge yeah. fund. Well, but anyway, what I'm saying, whatever the motivation is, you would think that how would that become their job you know, type of thing. And yet it sort of has, and, and a lot of people feel that they're, they're either, as uh, is, is is evidently, well, I guess the, the to fill a story in on this lawsuit we're going to be talking about, 
evidently, it's no longer like when I went to the University of Chicago. Somehow the the financial need becomes part of the acceptance or not, and whether they're going to give it to you, right, John? Is that, is that part? Big yeah, part and it? I, I looked at the complaint in this um, lawsuit from last year, and it's a fairly straightforward complaint from, from what I could see. I mean, it's so heartwarming to see the Sherman Antitrust Act as you know part of the complaint. Well, how did, where did they <laughs> find that one? Remind us. Yeah, to remind us, this actually did, did exist at one time, and it actually was good for business. But uh, the, the allegations in the complaint, and, and I don't think it's just you know students who receive financial aid really who were taken advantage of here, certainly. But the, the competition among these schools for qualified candidates, um, you know, and you know, their desire to get certain people and, and to you know make other schools look less attractive in the selection process, they all agreed to keep their financial aid packages uh, at such a level and their tuition at such a level so that price would no longer be you know a discriminating factor for these applicants. And this was to, I guess in their eyes, level the playing field so that somebody would select Penn because they liked the name or they liked the idea of living in Philadelphia, or they select some some place else for other reasons, but not because somebody else was giving them a better deal, or that they'd save on tuition dollars. And this is it's classic price fixing. I mean, it's classic anti-competitive. But how how exactly did 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 it mention how they talk to each other? I mean, how, I can't imagine the University of Chicago guy calling up the guy in Notre Dame saying, well, "How much are you giving this guy? We're not going to." I mean, it was there any there's allegations in, in the complaint about this they were it was like a, you know an agreement among them and this is where you know, the, i think this is why the ufc settled fairly early on in the game it seems and i don't know if the others are going to cave well, so when you say they lost their individual uh lawsuit after the 17 were uh the 17 were named they filed another individual one themselves and i think they got they got dismissed on that at which time then then they started thinking settlement well uh see greg yeah that, yeah that that's that's it was it is it part of it that everybody the financial aid packages that you or i fill out or greg they're all are they all they're all uniform now right is that part of the allegation that because they're uniform it's yeah and, i mean some schools do have their own forms and so on but there is a standard form that you know the institutions agree to use and this you know, the complaint alleges that these these schools conspired to keep their prices um, at a level you know, artificially high. And the best part was when they couldn't keep them there, they would just raise tuition in effect right. doing the same thing. Well, so right. but I guess whenever there's, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because you're the lawyer choir, what the, the people who file this lawsuit, other than this being a nasty way to do business, and certainly economically, I think it's crazy. I mean, I've, I've thought that for thirty years, but uh, nobody listens to me. I, but I mean, where where is the? What's the harm? I, I applied to the University of Chicago. Uh, they didn't really want me, so they knew I couldn't afford seventy, so they only offered me ten. So I went to business school in Illinois, and now I'm a you know I'm a, a CEO somewhere. Where, where's my harm? Well, there's, there's apparently an estimated class of two hundred thousand people as plaintiffs who applied at these institutions beginning, I think, in 2005. And I forget what the cutoff year is. It was 03 to that's the win- 14. 03 to 14. I think it was 11 years, yeah. Yeah. It, it And, I mean, their harm is that they were gouged. You know, so, paid more. You know, 
and they're, they're seeking reimbursement for the excess. Well, but is anybody, it would seem to me, this is again, speaking economically, not from the case, because you guys know more about the case, it would seem to me the person who was harmed the most is if I went to the University of Chicago and my mother and father foolishly said, we'll write the check for 70 G. Well, of course not. That's, that's what I, I mean. I mean, this, this happens to have, this lawsuit has you know, risen to the surface here because of financial aid policies, but it goes deeper than that. But I mean, are, just those is anybody that paid full tuition? Are they, are they any yeah. of the plaintiffs? Is, I guess my question. Anybody well, who just I, it, wrote the check? I mean, it seems to me, even even though he may, quote, can afford it, he's the guy who, he's, hey, his tuition no, should they, be 50, not I think, 70. I think the reduced aid packages were the, were the ones who were uh, suing right, the but, plaintiffs. Okay, they're, but they're the ones who were harmed. They, they, the, the stipulation was that any of these plaintiffs had to have been accepted and they had to have been offered financial aid. And you know whether they got a financial aid package that was fair or that didn't take advantage of them to discourage them from shopping around to go to other schools is where they get their relief. So a guy who paid full price who got gouged the most, he's not going to get a dime. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's not. I, I love the law. I love the law. Well, that, that's a whole other class action suit to be brought up, and it will be a far larger class of people too. I think, and a lot of angrier group. Well, I mean. Just if you if you do the math, uh, you know, and I don't know where all the money goes. Two hundred thousand students. No, I'm saying for eleven years. Go back to I graduated Chicago in '76, and it was three grand, okay, a year or thirty-two hundred. It was like twelve hundred a quarter. <clears throat> all right, so that's thirty thirty-six hundred a year, and now it's seventy-five. Okay, when you put that in the CPI, that doesn't compute, does it? That dog doesn't hunt. CPI is going to say it should be like eight grand now or ten. And it's seventy, All right, and then you're going to say we paid we paid Milton Friedman sixty grand in 1976, and we're paying a, a full professor now 160. Okay, well that's two and a half times. Where the hell do you get to the seventy grand? I mean, just from an economic perspective, you say what what are you doing? I mean, you almost don't need it. There's other stuff to say. Where's all this money going, right, Jan? Right. The whole, it's been detached from reality for a long time. When you and I were in college, Tom, I mean, I had a fair number of adjuncts as teachers at, at Notre Dame in the core courses freshman year and, and later on too and that there were always adjuncts you know, people who were hired contract labor semester by semester no offer of tenure no benefits no nothing um, and it, it showed I think kind of the education I got I can remember the people I, I knew who were adjuncts just because of the quality of their teaching versus the ones who were you know, you know assistant professors or on a tenure track I, I could tell the difference then, even before I, I really knew the impact of this. You know, what, I, I never, Notre Dame, I never had one of those guys, ex- except I had a, a young priest in freshman year for a freshman year where he just read books and talked about them with everybody. But he was terrific. He was really bright. Uh, I well, there, had, and there were, I'm not saying all of them were substandard. I mean, I had a math teacher, two math teachers who were adjuncts. Um, and uh, I can think of other classes too, where if you if the teachers were frank enough, if you got to know them or talk to them, you could understand pretty much why they were there, because they were teaching elsewhere too. This was always the case, I think, in higher ed, because they'd get an explosion of students or enrollment, you know, swells in certain areas, and they had they didn't have enough full time faculty to accommodate. Well, they had a, a guy so like our buddy Bob teaching graduate international tax. When Bob is probably one of the Thirty guys in the country that could teach it. Oh yeah, what they're, a scandal! Yeah, they were paying them. Get a load of this, way. They were paying them fifteen hundred bucks a, 
and he had to put the whole course together because there was no book. He had, he had to write the book essentially, all on his own time. And they were paying him what fifteen hundred bucks, and they were and he had forty or fifty students, or maybe more than that, because he had some of the satellite campuses, and they were paying five grand a class. How's right. that for a how's that for a margin? That's like movie popcorn for God's sake. Well, the the institution I taught at out in the south suburbs, I mean, we had you know I think a fleet of sixty four adjunct English teachers on any given in any given semester. And we had um, nine full timers, but that shows you how many full, you know, how many English faculty they needed to staff those classes. And at that time, they were paying adjuncts sixteen hundred dollars per class. But I mean, it's, sure it's, it's not it's not all bad. I mean, a lot of people want it on their resume. I mean, I don't, but I mean, oh, I yeah, could, that, that's how I got my yeah. foot in the door to finally get a full time gig because I you know I was one of those scholar gypsies they called them. My office was my car trunk. Well, I had an I opportunity. All my you know, people. And you know, I got you know teaching experience by the seat of my pants, pretty much. And it, eventually, I, I did parlay it into a, a full-time position. But that's that's very much the exception today. Well, I mean, a lot of these people spent decades as adjuncts and never did anywhere. Well, I mean, a couple of guys on the floor, and I was asked to do it to teach an options class down at ITT, uh, and I, I, I should have. Uh, oh, IIT, yeah, no, the one. Uh, IIT, the one just south. Yeah. Oh, okay. ITT is different. I, Illinois Institute of Technology, right? The, yeah. Um, that was okay. Those guys, those guys too. You know. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I wouldn't mind Who, doing that. I interestingly, have, have the highest. Uh, I think out of, out of the undergraduates, their starting salaries are the highest because they're all engineers. Really? A- yeah. On average, yeah. You've got a few adjunct option guys like me. <laughs> I think Greg, our buddy Greg, uh, Greg Grusinski has been on the show. I think he taught an option class down there. Oh. Great! I'm sure you did a nice job. But, but but there's an option book. I mean, you can you you can start with a book. You don't have to recreate the world to do that. I mean, uh, but so I guess out of this whole mess, John, with the background I gave on the on the economics of it, how how is how is everybody? If the if the price ended up being too high, how does every person who ever went there in the last ten years not deserving of something? How they They are tough. And 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 the example of the adjunct um, juggernaut. Is that so many institutions are, you know, charging far more than by any kind of cutting method the education is really costing them salaries or benefits, and it's the students, the ones who are paying full freight, that are the ones that maybe. DePaul you know, had the fifty million dollar loss. Uh, <laughs> uh, they announced, I think, a couple of weeks ago. That was in Cranes. What, what are, I, mean, I had a really, really stupid question. You guys can opine on it. we got five minutes before the break, and we'll change subjects. But where does the money go? I mean, oh, I, I mean, come on. I mean when I'm, no, but seriously, I mean, in Notre Dame, there's no, <clears throat> there's no shareholders. I don't think they're sending eighty million a year back to the what's, what's who are the priests in France uh, to run the place. I mean, it, the monks. I mean, it, it no. seems like you, your your expenses just sort of expand. It's the same thing in healthcare. Yeah, you, you get a whole bunch of administrators and a whole bunch of people who are even the overheads that much bigger. Yeah, you got to buy buildings, you right. got to build new buildings. And if you have a hospital attached to the university, you know, like Loyola or other institutions, uh, in effect, the institution is subsidizing. You know, it's it's paying for that hospital and that medical system and dealing with patients and everything else, which is probably not going to make money on its own without that kind of assistance. So there's all sorts of reasons, you know, why this never gets back into education. I mean, just the physical plant 
or the need to expand amenities that you have to build to attract students. All you know, the, the cushing lives that students have today, Tom, air conditioned dorm rooms, can you imagine? Well, I guess my question is, would, I mean, economically, you see this in every walk of life, but, you know, which comes first, the, the, the chicken or the egg? I mean... Are we allowed to talk about other uh, podcasts? Sure. Okay, so oh, there's sure. this uh, this podcast called The Best One Yet, and they had a whole thing about the uh, million-dollar degree, April 3rd, if you look at uh, The Best One Yet on whatever. They, they kind of go through what the sticker price is versus what's actually paid by these... Uh, these financial aid recipients and what you come out to is say if the most exclusive schools charge 80,000 you'll find that they're really the the person who's actually paying is really only going to be paying say 35 or or 28 or 35 and well, does everybody state. pretty much have to pay the room and board or you get you get helped on that too um or it's all the, just one the, package i think the 80 number was was total. Yeah, but so, a room and board's like seventeen now. Yeah, it was one when we were in school. So they yeah. they kind of went through that and they said, well, the sticker's seventy five, but you know people only pay twenty seven on average. So that spread there is something that I think the <laughs> the uh, seventeen schools or whatever took into consideration <laughs> and then decided, okay, well we're gonna give the it was not collusion. What's it called? Well, yeah, I guess it is collusion. Yes, it is when, collusion. They, when they, when but they, I guess it's it's so complicated though, Greg. You have people that give all kinds of money to Notre Dame for these scholarships. So there's, you know, for you, you know, not talking out of school, there might be some guy who gave a bunch of dough to Notre Dame that wants to help fifteen Greek kids a year. You know, or I mean, there, there's all kinds of little pots where this money is. I, I just I'm kind of curious as how you ever get around to a lawsuit landing. I mean. It, it seems pretty complicated, John, to me. I, you know, I mean, it, I mean, the, because all that money is is from different foundations. I mean, the first year, the Irish went. It was our not our freshman year, John. It was the year before when we were still senior in high school. The Irish had not gone to a bowl game since they beat Army in the Rose Bowl in like the twenties, right? Wow. Yeah. So they decided they were going to go to the. Uh, in those days, the, the the bowl games didn't even count towards. Uh, national champion, right? Right. So, right. so the Irish went yeah. down and played Texas. Joe Theismann, and uh, they they lost that year, right? My our senior year in high school, uh, they lost by a little, I believe. Then the next year, when we were when we were freshmen because I went to the game. We we won handily. Uh, we Notre Dame, but the 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 way Notre Dame said we were going to go is they used the alleged money that they made back in those days, like three hundred grand, that those are going to be used for minority scholarships. So they put that money away. Now, whether there's still a, a trough that's only minority scholarships, I don't know, Jim. But is that that can't that's not illegal, is it? They have you know just minority scholarships. No, there probably is. I mean, I'm sure, and all these institutions have similar programs too to attract um, students who you know score wise didn't measure up against their, the profile of the people they wanted to attract, and that's become big bucks too. And it's worked to the disadvantage of other qualified students too. So. Uh, the whole thing has gotten completely, you know, steered in the wrong direction. I think, and it's it's all about credential building for both the colleges and for the elite students who can afford to go there anymore. And the education part of it has just gone out the window. Let's be futures down three seventy five. Make that four. And as if he's down thirteen, be right back. Stacks and jacks.
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right now. Right here. Right now. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? Well, hello, one page, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alf. Greg Pappas in the studio. Matt Byrne on the board. We have Jen Flanagan with us. Jen, was we talking about how this, this price creep and how the expenses kind of meet meet the creep? It's always a question is it for an economic dude like me, I won't say an economist, is which comes first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, you and I, when we were there, room and board was a grand. So we used to have an, basically army cots that could be made into a bunk bed if you wanted to. With literally, uh, Greg, it was Army surplus blankets because they had all that stuff from World War II from uh, the Navy, and, and the stuff never wore out. I mean, you know, the Army stuff. Never, yeah. And that, those were your, you, know, you had one narrow pillow. You know, the cans were down the hall, which nobody cared up much about. Uh, and you know, you had a sink in the room, and so you know, a thousand bucks, you had decent food, not the best. But then you go to the reunions, and Audrey comes one year, and she's like. I mean, people pay ten grand for room and board, and they sleep on an army cat. What's the matter with these people? I mean, <laughs> at some point, you you, you you can't do that. Well, well now, well now the cafeteria, I, I swear to God, it, it, the food there rivals series. There's the Mexican station, the Chinese station. Oh wow! I mean, it, it's unbelievable. The Sunday, the Sundays afterward, you make your own Sunday. I mean, guys used to love to go to dinner at St. Mary's because they actually got ice cream afterward. You know, type of thing. You go make yourself on a Sunday if you wanted, but you know, I, I guess. You're not going to pay sixteen grand and live like we lived, but then again, you don't need that every night just to exist. I, I mean, I don't know what the 
I guess everybody would have a different position as to what they actually need to exist. I mean, we had mystery meat three nights a week or chicken or something, but compared to my buddy at Marquette, who was in an Evan Scour house, we don't get any food. He thought we ate like kings, and what are we complaining about? You know, so it's it's like what's the old adage? Man complained about his shoes till he saw the man with no feet, right? I mean, uh, yep. But I, well, I he, he, when we were there, Tom, I mean, there have been a lot of deferred maintenance around the campus too, and the upper floors, the administration building, were condemned. Yeah, you know, they, they well, were you know, safe for habitation. I'm gonna allow um, this out there. There are all sorts of ancient buildings crumbling around there, and the the physical plant, you know, was charming, but it was it was not. You know what it is today by no. any stretch. Well, they didn't have any sprinklers in the dorms. I mean, oh god, no. oh gosh, yeah. But uh, you know, but here's there's something. This is an interesting concept, I think, because I had a test on it in grad school. Do you guys know what the uh, what the wheel of retailing is? That 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 term. No, I don't. Wow. Um, well, it's, it's 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 a it's a term in in uh, in, in retail where. Whenever you, it, it's it's how competition. I won't say any more with the WalMarts and stuff of the world, but it's it's how competition used to work. There'd be somebody who would say, "We're just going to be low prices, low everything, and we're going to have, you know, we're not even going to buy racks for stuff." You know, sort of like the wine discount center. So we're just going to pile the wine on the store at the cheapest prices. You come in and you pick it up, and away you go. And we're going to be the lowest cost joint on earth because we have the lowest overhead. And all of a sudden, guys say, "Well, you know." We probably could sell more if we bought these really nice racks. And, oh, by the way, we should have this and more inventory that you don't sell as fast. And all of a sudden, now your prices creep up, creep up a little bit. Well, then somebody says, gee, Greg's wine shop is a little too high priced. Why don't we just come to the bottom and put wine back on the floor again, and we can undersell that guy. And then all of a sudden, we deliver it, and we do something else and start taking care of the people, and then it, it happens again. It's, it's called the wheel of retailing. Well, the problem is with these schools, they hit these names, and what there really should happen to the University of Chicago, to Notre Dame, to Northwestern, to all these places, and it does on a little bit of a level, but they also get to accredit the places, which is a problem. So what really should happen is for somebody to buy Tilden Tech, for lack of a better term, because there's 150 people and there used to be 1,600, remodel the crap out of the place so you got regular rooms, you know, put... Wi-Fi and stuff in there that you need these days. And all of a sudden, 20 professors like Eric move over there, and all of a sudden they're they're teaching economics undergrad and an English undergrad for six grand a year or something like that. And by the way, the education is everybody as good as Northwestern or Notre Dame or somewhere else. problem is there's there's barriers to that because of the... You don't need an accredit, accreditation for a guy to open a wine store down the block. He just does it. Well, or, or liquor licenses. Well, but I'm saying, but I'm, or a buggy whip store. I mean, whatever, whatever it is, you really don't need. In Chicago, you might have to pay somebody off. Yeah, but if, but in general, the barriers to entry and regular retail. I mean, how, how does somebody? I mean, For somebody a Chicago liquor license, you need a full body cavity search. Well, yeah, but I'm saying somebody could could go to UIC, uh, University of Illinois Chicago, and, uh, and well, they just bought a law school. But they they could they all of a sudden could pluck. Ten of the best law professors in the world plunk them in there and, and charge people eight grand a year instead of fifty. And but when they come out, they know as much about the law, if not more, than somebody who goes to Northwestern or Chicago or Notre Dame. Uh, yet, doesn't matter. 
if you didn't go to Harvard or, or Northwestern, this is, yeah, this is more of a messaging thing. A it's a, signal. it's, it's, a, it's yeah. it, it, there's way more to it. It's not just the wheel of retailing. I bought the bottle of wine down the block. I saved a buck on it. It's all I care about. This because all of a sudden a law firm can't charge six hundred bucks an hour for John Flanagan out of University of Chicago. I mean University of Illinois Chicago, like he could out of Harvard or Northwestern, even though John may know more than he would have otherwise. It's there's way more involved in this, and these guys have essentially used that to live pretty incredible lives. I mean, the administrations do real well. I don't think the te- the professors make more dough, but the administration people do. The money goes somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, it's what I what I mentioned at the end of the last you know half hour about credential building, where the label you know attached to your name you know and the resume that you can shove under somebody's nose when you're trying to get a gig. Um, you need the buzzwords of an Ivy League institution or its equivalent. And luckily for Notre Dame and some other universities, you know, Georgetown too, and the Catholic schools, they've kind of reached that stature where they can now, you know, pick they have their, their pick of students, the same ones who maybe didn't get into to Harvard or Yale for whatever reasons. It's not, just, it's not just kids from the south side of St. Rita, Marist and stuff. No, no. But it, but it is it is that too, uh, who who never have have a chance at an Ivy League institution, believe me. Yeah, well, unless yeah. unless they've got some financial aid package or some minority status that makes everybody in the country want to get them. But but those schools have risen in the estimation of parents who have kids who are going to be heading to college someday, and it, the the possibility of getting any kind of a decent job coming out of college these days is a lot harder than it used to be. Where you know it, you could be guaranteed some kind of an income, it might not be your dream job. And you well, John, are you paying? Is the law firm paying for the the selection process? I mean, Jan Flanagan went to Harvard. They only take one of ten thousand people, so they did they did the pre- selection process for me. What you learn there versus Northwestern or or Loyola, I'm sure the law you don't n- learn much more, but the uh, if at all. And, but well, I think the, you learn less time. I don't think people flunk out of the Ivy. League. Well, what's well, one of the, the guys graduated not, like not they not like they flunk out of community colleges anyway. Where okay. if you, if, but it doesn't really matter if you learn very much at those places because your your credential will carry the day. You don't have to know very much of anything. We had one guy Maris that I graduated with that went to Harvard. A guy named uh, Jamba Cambridge, real nice guy, basketball player, and a uh, real bright. And uh, he did well at Harvard, and he had a really nice career in law. I mean, it, they they didn't pick the wrong guy. I, I think John would have made it no matter where he went. But I, I don't think it hurt going to Harvard, and uh, he had a nice long career, and he retired. I mean, he's a real nice guy. I mean, I had, had the the night. I mean, I suspect he would have done well anywhere because he was, you know, an engaging guy, you know, and it was nice to talk to. And he was bright, and he was a good basketball player. Uh, so I mean, they. Uh, I mean, there's, but then again, I knew the guy across the street. He came back and blew away his parents with a shotgun. So that wasn't so good. Yikes! Yeah. Then there was the Unabomber. He went to Harvard, right? Uh, he lived two yeah, blocks from well. me. There's something of somewhat your it's external validity for the name, yeah. uh, letting them select and taking the their signal and then using that as a uh, as a filter. Yeah, it's a selection right. process, right? Yeah, and it becomes a door opener for the rest of your life, really. Well, yeah, because they, they, they if you you were you were at one time one of a thousand, right? Yeah. And you can you can ride that you know as long as you have any need to um that's one of the other scandals of the whole system though tom is that you know when i said it, it's become detached from education 
I meant that you're being selected into some kind of status because of your whatever you know class badges that you carry with you entitle you for and it has nothing to do with with your skill level or your ability to run a company or not to cheat a client or anything else it, it's, it's if anything it's kind of an incentive to do more cheating because you've never really gotten any kind of instruction and why you shouldn't cheat well it, it also means that if, if there's a camaraderie i don't know what happened when uh, our man greg like i say he's been on the show a bunch of times uh, hopefully he'll be back soon because greg knows a lot about him he went to loyola in fact, he's, he's, a, he's a three guy at law, undergrad MBA in law. Uh, he says that the, the most amazing system he's seen, I don't know if he looks at the Harvard stuff, but he said if you went to Notre Dame Law School, and they said if you have a, because if I had a case in Nebraska, uh, Notre Dame Law keeps a, a, a thing of everybody, and I need a, a lawyer in Omaha and, you know, whatever, property stuff, I'll open up this book and I'll be a Notre Dame graduate in Omaha and property stuff, and I'll just call the guy up and say, I need some help out here. By the way, I'm class of something, something. And he goes, these guys, they always find competent people. They find people that have somewhat of a background they can talk to. And, and the, 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 the uh, what do you want to call it? The, uh, uh, what's, what's the term for your uh, infrastructure? Their infrastructure of people is fine. I mean, and, they, and that's how they get business. Their network. Their network is. Yeah. And I, uh, I know Fenwick tries to do that with all their lawyers. Maris is trying to. Uh, Fenwick has a huge network of, of people who graduated law school from Fenwick. And that's what the premium associated with the tuition is. is yeah, buying. well, I mean, Fenwick's a high yeah. school, but still, it's a way of, it's people that think like me, that if I if I hire them in California, they're probably have the same morality system, the same stuff that I did at Fenwick or Notre Dame or Marist or someplace. I mean, I don't know how much uh, Loyola does that or DePaul. They probably do some, um, but it's... You know, a lot of this is, is kind of who you know and everything too, right, John? I mean, it's it's. Did well, you like and all the all the good alumni programs, and I can see this with you know, my, my high school Mount Carmel, and I'm a DePaul grad and a Loyola grad. You know, the, the the way that the alumni systems have been developed, very much to their credit, it's a, it's a way of giving a kind of comfort level. It's like getting it, you know, like Angie's List or something. If this person went through what I went through lived in a dorm that I knew very well. I knew the kind of instruction this person got. I maybe know something about their family and their background because of, of the kind of people I knew when I was in college. This gives you a trust level that encourages you to, to take a chance and hire them for something when you don't have any anything else to go on. And that's, that's the beauty of a well-run alumni system is in the networking possibilities for people who need you know, the professionals or the, the qualified people that are out there. And when you don't have any other criteria to use, why not use that? That's as good as anything else, if not better. Greg, wanted me to ask you, did you, did you ever take rocks for jacks? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. So. <laughs> I well, wish I had. <laughs> I was telling him that I, uh, my first year I was in pre-med without any intention of of being a doctor, so I transferred over to uh, economics as a sophomore because I had the, fr- the freshman year. just showing year. off. Well, the freshman year, well, I mean, now, I mean, the freshman year, if you, if you went and took, like, the marginal stuff, what did Pete Levinsky take, math math for the non-mathematician or something? And then yeah. and you could take... I rac- took economics for social science. <laughs> well, that's, was, what my, that's what I got my degree down in. people like me. Well, that's, what I, that's what I got my degree in, economics. And the, the only problem with that is I had to take two two semesters of a language. It was supposed to be three, but they let me off the third one, thank God. I was so bad at languages. Hey, English uh, and bad English? No, I, I, you know what? I, I, I tried a French class. Everybody was a sandbagger. They all had French before. Mm. And, and the weird part... You had all these weirdo guys, well, not weirdo guys, but guys who were teachers. 
This particular class had some maybe 24-year-old lady, girl. Mm. She's drop-dead gorgeous. It was really hard for me to drop that class, but there was no way I was getting anywhere in there. <laughs> it was one of those where you, she starts speaking French from day one, not even not even attempting to translate one to the other. And all these other mutts, they're sitting there talking back to her in French. I'm saying, okay, everyone here had three years in high school in a basic class just sandbagging. And uh, I got no business in here, so I ended up taking... Italian with some couple that had taught Italian at Notre Dame. They were, they were old. They were 60, in their 60s. Mm. And I, they managed, they were they were merciful on me and gave me two Bs, even though I didn't know any Italian either. And I, and I, opted, I, mean, I, and I, was, just, I was just so bad at languages, I had no business in there. I mean, I took four years of Latin in high school. I mean, Christ. That's only because I didn't want to speak anything. <laughs> so January, there was all these little games you could play, but I always liked the, the Roxford Jag. It was actually geology, right? But all the football yeah. players took Earth it. Earth Science 101 or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I have uh, not to get anything too heavy here, but uh, the Chicago situation obviously is a is a big subject nation nationwide now, especially with the convention coming here. And yesterday, I, I I'm, I'm kind of stunned that you know, and it's not like I have any solutions, and I'm not expecting to get huge solutions out of you guys, even though you're bright dudes. But yesterday, I was listening to one of what's what's the show on early Sunday morning where it's it's a Chicago politics show. It's like a face the nation, but it's for Chicago or Cook County, Illinois. Uh, it's on BBM. Uh, it's, it's, oh, with Craig Delamore. And, yeah, um, it's a good show. They had yeah. Dick Durbin yeah. on, and they had some guy who was a. Uh, I've been impressed by listening to a middle-aged black dude that is some sort of a uh, community organizer, and they had some young lady on there, uh, black, and uh, and it's everything they were talking about. I agreed with, and yet everything they were talking about is no solution for today's problems. I mean, how can you how can you do both, John? It's like uh, the one guy was talking about how kids need to be able to come downtown because when he was young, he'd come down and go to go to a show at the Woods or the United Artists and stuff, and because there really weren't movie theaters in his neighborhood, and and she was talking about you know people who have been hurt hurt other people, and we've got to turn this whole bus around, and then Senator Durbin comes on and talks about how bad the neighborhoods are and everything, and you know what, Jan? Everything they said is absolutely true yet you still can't have people with no morals coming down and beating up people i mean there's there, somehow or another i don't i don't really know how those two come together we all know that the solutions are better families better education better everything i don't know how you turn that bus around by this summer and yet this summer you can't have roving gangs of people down here beating people I, there, there's some sort of a middle ground here that i i can't put my finger on it but, but i'm at least i'm trying to find it these other guys don't even think you need one or something. Twitter was laughing a lot in that the CPD was was very uh, stacked downtown here because they were worried about um, not unrest, but you know more oh, more shenanigans. Well, when uh, they looked out, it was cold. Yeah, they, so they they had a whole bunch of pictures of you know the squad cars lined up, the lights on, everybody out there, and everybody was saying, "Why are we paying for this? We know it's forty degrees, and they're not going to be there." And like, this yeah. is silly. Why do they not show up when it's seventy five? And it it kind of turned turned against the police. <laughs> you guys are dumb. Well, I mean, that the the fact is they're. As much as, uh, well, again, you know he has a softer spot because my dad was a policeman. And I know a lot of these guys playing softball and stuff, when they're terrific people, they're, they're very poorly led and have been for a long time. Can, I, mean, I, uh, can I support Lightfoot for a second here? Sure. So I was trying to figure out, you know, what has been, what would make her 
change her tune all of a sudden because I don't know if you saw the video clip but she was saying you know we have a huge crime problem now now that she's out of office and she says Democrats should say that more and so I'm like well what <laughs> why why did you change your tune you know what happened to summer she's not in office. right and and the best explanation I could come up with was maybe she was um, not hiring more policemen because she was figuring that in a scenario in which the city had normal violence or whatever her concept of normal was, you know, you would only need 8,500 officers or 7,500 officers. And so that's why overspend on 12,000 or 13,000. So that's, uh, that was my, but it's not 12,000. It's 15,000 because the people oh, 15, who leave, okay, no, yeah. I'm saying the people who leave are getting paid. Okay. So, so they're, what, whatever they're, it was, yeah. the active no, staff I'm, I'm, needs point to is, be. There, there's, they're 50 years old. They're on a pension. So if we were at the same violence level of New York, maybe, maybe you know the appropriate police force size is kind of where we were and that's why she refused this is again uh, just me speculating okay but, but now you just opened up you know out of out of the out of the mouth of traders uh you just opened up a whole can of worms in my mind why does if you listen to people and jen's more of a psychologist than me she did balance the budget so. okay so she matter of fact uh, brendan says she did a pretty good job uh, well she got a lot of money from the government the, right but that's, uh, that's my uh, why do, foray why does, into trying to take the other if side. If you watch CNBC all week, you'll see Sheila Bear on there. And Sheila Bear is a very bright lady. She's a great interview. Yet, she used to be the head, I believe, of the FSL. FDIC? Uh, no, no. Uh, well, yeah, what's the, the the bank insurance thing? FDIC. She was head of FDIC, right? Yeah, and then she was, uh, but, she I mean, was trying to write laws after but she never, the financial crisis. She never criticized whenever things were going bad. With banks or whatever, there was never a fault. Everything was perfect. And the minute she's off, out of there and on TV, these guys are screwing up everything. Listen, listen to a guy who was on the uh, uh, board of the the Federal Reserve Board, like the one guy with the, the white hair and whatever. It's, it was on. He was a vice something something. He's been, been gone for probably six years. Listen to was those that guys. the one who was uh, ethically challenged? No, but he just <laughs> no. He goes no no no. But, I mean, but all of a sudden they criticize everything. God, this is really horrible policy. Where are they getting it? But then when they're on there, nobody will criticize anything. I mean, you're, you're not going to get, you know, the uh, the head coach in today's world to say these five guys are bleeps and that's why we can't win. Yet as soon as they're not the head coach, God, if I got to get rid of those five guys, I don't want. I mean, they're, they're, if you're you part have to of the, talk your book, you got to talk your book yeah. essentially. And John, what what causes that when you're? Well, I mean, I guess if you're, you know, if you're. CEO of Coca-Cola, you're going to say everything, everything's rosy, right? I mean, that's your job, I guess. I think Lightfoot and, you know, other people, you know, on the progressive side of, of American politics have gotten this phobia about, you know, surrendering their authority to say something like calling the National Guard or declaring a crisis or even using the word crisis to describe what's happening. And they both decided, you know, not only never to use those terms, but never to respond as if there's a crisis. And, and Lightfoot got into this, you know, conundrum back in 2020 in May after the, the you know, the first wave arrived and the later one in August by not calling the National Guard. And of course, Pritzker was, was never going to do it either. Yeah. Uh, maybe she thought she got some points with her, you know, progressive supporters. But what it really did, it was it, it enabled, you know, the burning down of the Walmart Supercenter at West Chatham in 2020 with the roof collapsed and Walmart was perfectly willing to move out you know 
close that store completely and not rebuild. That's the one they just. Is that the one they just closed? Yeah, and the city, yeah. the city, you know, Lightfoot twisted their arm to rebuild the thing. So here they built the Walmart twice, and they're going to close it anyway. Had, well, how much of Lightfoot, it? How much of it, Chad, is uh, is how can I say this when I'm when I'm walking out on a plane? Uh-oh. Well, I mean, for instance, if, <laughs> I, think if I, I know would, where you're going, well, no, but if if I was. Uh, if the if the Brits are fighting the the, the Irish, right, and, <laughs> and and we're and we're trying to get, if we only had a uh, Irish Catholic leader in the South, and all of a sudden I'm the first Irish Catholic leader, I would bring in there some. You get assassinated. I use the term hubris to say, well, the guys that that are also Irish Catholic in the South will now that I'm in charge will stop the riots because they know I'm going to try and help them. And all of a sudden, my first day in office, there's there's a riot. <laughs> I'll be sitting there going, "What the hell? This wasn't supposed to happen." I think, I think Lori, and to a certain extent, the new guy, maybe even to a bigger extent, the guy feels that the African American community should feel. That, by the way, I'm in now. I'm, I've always tried to help these guys, whether he has or he hasn't. But I'll go with it. I've always tried to help this stuff. If anybody's a part of the solution, it's me. They are going to give me a chance. Well, the week after the guy's elected, there's a riot. I mean, I, I, I think he's sort of stunned too, and so was she. That she probably well, thought they would give her a know, chance. All they have to do, all they have to do, Tom, and they're not willing to do this. Neither Lightfoot nor Johnson is to show whose side they're really on on this, because it would mean they'd have to take the side, and they don't. They want you know everybody who's not doing this bashing and you know disturbing the peace to feel like you're demonizing people who. You know, by complaining that somebody else is doing it. What, what, uh, Had Lightfoot said in 2020, this is not going to happen on my watch because the people who are suffering the most with these disturbances are the African-American business right. people and customers of those businesses who will be living in retail deserts for the rest of their lives if I let this happen. Yet it happened. Instead of showing whose who side she was on, she decided I'm not going to call in anybody else. I'm going to let the thugs do what they have to do, and we'll clean up the mess later. Well, now she's got a, a bigger mess, and yep. Johnson's got a bigger mess. So what? Who, who who really was hurt by this? It was the people she thought she was protecting. I, I just don't understand. I think she thought she was going to give everybody a break, uh, and all of a sudden they would come around to her way of thinking, and, and nobody has. And I think she's but I, from the people I know that know her, I mean, granted, you know, she got kind of a thin skin, and sometimes on, on uh, TV she didn't sound the best. But people who knew her from the uh, state's attorney's office said she was very competent and very law and order. By the way, um, you know, nobody had a bad word to say about her. Well, it, she she definitely came out against Kim Fox a couple times. Yeah, she said you need to put people in jail that we catch, and that's part of the problem. Uh, that why well, the, yeah. we keep having overtime with the police. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not like I, she, I agree, Greg. It, it, it seems though that in, you know, in the heat of battle, when, when you know things were spinning out of control, she sat back and you know let people assume that there was nothing really to worry about. And when she said the other day, you know, there was no mayhem downtown, and the, the woman who the Good Samaritan who you know fished that couple out of the mob said it was mayhem, and I oh, voted yeah. for Lightfoot. I mean, Lightfoot wasn't there; she didn't see what was happening firsthand. It shows how how still detached she is. From everything that she can't. Well, she hired a, the police chief. From what I understand, the rumors I hear, the guy went back to Texas every weekend. The guy she hired. <laughs> I think I would have too. Well, but I'm saying that's. I mean, how do you? How do you? I mean, who's even in? Ch- that's I mean, right, the equivalent of putting your head in the sand. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, yeah. if, if this guy just quit last week. Do you even know who's the head of the police department? I don't. Yeah, and he's going to resign as soon as. Uh, 
Yeah. Johnson. That's what takes, I'm saying. It's yeah. a guy who just quit. Eric Carter. Yeah, he just quit. Well, well he was, no. Again, if Lightfoot had taken a stronger stand and showed that she was on the side of the police, which she has never done, really, as far as I can see, she's used every opportunity to bash them and their culture and their their union and everything else. No wonder we've got a mess. I, I just think she could have done a lot more to show that she was behind those people and, and the average taxpayer of the city who doesn't go for thuggery and mayhem on the city streets. I, mean, I don't care why you come downtown if you're a kid, but you don't come down to do that. And expect well, I, to but I mean, the, the laws are such. We, we need a whole... We, we need a... Is there, is there a place that we could get people from the state, from the police, from everybody? Can we get them together for a week and say, what are we going to do? You can't have You can't have laws that say... If you're over 18 and you use a gun, you get 30 years in jail. But if you can make the 17-year-old carry the gun, he gets out that night. I mean, and, and my, my lawyer buddies tell me that the way they collect evidence, if, if you don't have DNA, you don't have a, a camera, you can't get a conviction. There's no witnesses. There's nothing like that. They're, they're two years behind because of COVID or 18 months for a trial. The witnesses disappear. I mean, I mean Kim Fax, in her own way, is, is not wrong because all she does is lose. I mean, what's what's the point of putting people well, in jail? Yeah, but the culture too, Tom. How many secure crime scenes are there anymore? When there's a shooting, the, the, nobody calls nine one one. Just somebody dri- gets driven to an emergency room somewhere, and, yeah. and then they're dropped off, and nobody wants to talk about it. So there's no way you're going to have an investigation of a crime scene. You don't even know where the crime scene really is. I mean, it, there's it, nobody out there in time to secure it. So, is a out of, um, out of out of all the murders last year, don't even. Fifteen or twenty percent don't even have a person of interest, much less an arrest. Right. Well, you know, the part of it now. is, you know, yeah, the sophistication of our crime detection methods has made it impossible to even bring charges unless you've got a totally airtight case. Well, Jack, can you hang on a little bit I'm for Audrey? Because I wanted to. I think I sent you guys sure. last night. Um, Greg, you're certainly welcome to stay. That the thing about how they're judging some of these banks now. Uh, I'll get the term in a second. SP futures down four, and as if he's down eleven. Uh, maybe one of the reasons why these bank stocks aren't doing so hot, even though they all are, are showing good profits. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hello and welcome Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, man on the board. SP Futures down 450. The SP Futures down 13. Uh, rest of the world is snoozy. So are we. Uh, you know, we'll see. We got a whole bunch of earnings coming out this week. Earnings last night, where Coca-Cola came out, uh, beat estimates. They're up a buck fifteen, sixty-five twenty. So that's to the to the plus side. So I guess that's that's good. People drinking a lot of Coke. Uh, over in Europe, we have uh, Dax up three. Call that flat. Footsie down five. Call that flat. Kakaron down two. Call that flat. Well, that was easy. Over in Asia, Nikkei up twenty-nine point one percent, almost flat. Hang Seng, however, down 0.6%, 115 points down under 20,000, 19,958. Shanghai down 25.8%, so China's down, you know, pretty much. Uh, so they're the only ones that have really shown any kind of movement. Friday, we were slow as well, down up 20, down up 22, S&P up 3, NASDAQ up 12. Uh, it was a uh, down week, but we finished up a little bit on Friday. Uh, bonds, down 3 basis points is the 10-year rate, down 3 basis points, which actually means bonds are up a little bit. But uh, 10-year rate down 3 base points, 3.53. The bond on change, 2.5. Uh, Japan up 1 basis point to 0.48, where they've been like for a long time. Oil down 27 cents, 77.60, so well below 80. Brent down 32 cents, 81.34. Natural gas down 4 cents, 2.19. Here's the one that's a, you know problematic. Is Rob is down a penny, 2.59, even though gas the pump goes up every week. Gold up 430, trying to get back to 2000, not there yet, 1994. Silver up 12 cents, 2518. Copper down a penny, 396. We got Bitcoin now up 14 bucks, but 27,512. Still way higher than it was, but still below the 30,500 where it sort of tapped out. Uh, US dollar, again, well, it's actually down a little bit now. The euro is over 110, 
And the pound is uh, 124, heading toward 125. Man, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on April 24th, 2023. This morning in Chicago, clear skies, 37 degrees currently. We're hitting a high of 50 this afternoon, so expect a mix of some clouds and some sun today. This week, we're expecting sunny skies Wednesday through Friday. Some light rain expected next Saturday. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies today, 71 degrees currently, a high of 92 later on. In the MLB yesterday, White Sox against Rays, Sox lose 1-4. Cubs lost as well, 7-3 against Dodgers, and Diamondbacks lost to San Diego Padres 5-7. Sox and Diamondbacks back to play tonight. They're, uh, they're playing, and we're Sox are where? Sox, are in the- Sox, let's see here, Sox, I believe are going to be in, uh, they're going to be with the Blue Jays in uh, Toronto. Okay. Yeah. So they're, that'll be at uh, 6.07 tonight. The Cubs have uh, the Pirates coming in tomorrow, or they're playing the Pirates, and the Pirates are leading the league. Oh, yeah. Which is a little strange. <laughs> do we have Odd? We do indeed. Um, hey, Odd, uh, how are you? Good morning. Hi. Uh, you're, you're, you're breaking up a tad, but uh, I assume you're... How's that? Is that any better? Yes, that's much better. We still have Jan? Okay. Still here. Good morning, Audrey. Well, did you hear, Jan? I don't think you did. <laughs> I uh, did not. Uh, oh. You're coming in and out there for some reason, Odd, but uh, I'm sure that'll Matt'll fix that up here in a second. What? Um, there's this term. I, I, well, I, maybe it's not Matt's fault. Maybe it's the computer's fault. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it might it be your fault, be. but I don't want to do that. You know, it's not always me. Could be technology as a whole. Uh, are you and Jan? Uh, Jan uh, is obviously an expert on real estate law, and you're a real estate person. Um, you guys ever heard this term "criticized loan" before? <laughs> Not so you sent what me the it? article. Up. Criticized loan. I have not. Evidently, and uh, well, Jan's been talking about it. Uh, some of the buildings downtown and stuff. It's it's a study. Uh, of banks, I mean, we think you know. Sometimes these guys are maybe not some of them, not all, or not maybe not the sharpest knives in the drawer, and everything's okay until the the loan check uh, doesn't show up, right? Well, evidently, uh, the, the term "criticized loan" means that you may have made a loan to, you know, say the Board of Trade building. Somehow or another, you're still getting the check every check every month, but you're seeing the place go from ninety percent occupancy to eighty to seventy to sixty. And you just have the thing in the back of your head saying, one of these days I'm not going to get this check. And I guess some of the banks, even though uh, this is one person who wrote the article, uh, this person's idea that that's why some of these bank stocks are, are really struggling. Uh, Tim, um, Tim Mullaney, I think we've read some stuff from Tim Mullaney before. He does writes good stuff. And that's one of the reasons why these bank stocks aren't going anywhere, even though you know the, the current profits seem better than expected and you know good enough to where some people think the prices should be higher but if, so if you basically look under the covers uh they're anticipating bad loans down down the is that is that a new phenomenon that people are the people i mean people always should have been aware in the bank whether whether hey you know i, I got 14 house loans and people work for uh, xyz corp and xyz corp just went oh. out of business you must know that those 15 house loans are in somewhat danger but but there's no way of quantifying that. Is there on the balance sheet or anything, Jan or or, or Audrey? No, and you know the idea if the tenant leaves a building, 
uh, that that makes a mortgage on the, the building that housed that tenant a criticized loan, uh, even though there's no default in payments or anything at that point. Uh, I think it's a response to the idea that when when these businesses leave, you know, you know, office buildings or you know, retail spaces today, there's it's not very likely they're going to be replaced by something else like that. And that I don't think was something you could have expected 10, 20, 30 years ago. If, if one tenant left, there was some other t tenant or several tenants itching to get into that space and maybe even expand so that there was no reason to classify a, a mortgage on that building as criticized just because a tenant left. And now I think people take these signals very differently because there seems to be little expectation that these tenants will be replaced. And that's that's got a downward spiral effect too, just just by you know making these properties into kind of white elephants, perhaps before they really are white elephants. Well, what Sounds is like it? they should call it the canary of the coal mine loan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what does that happen though? And and more on the uh, I'll say the retail side. Uh, the retail side. I have yeah. I well, you know, it's they can put whatever name on it, but I think that anybody who's lived through a couple of recessions. Um, We'll say that's maybe that's just good business sense to pay attention to what's really going on behind the scenes. Well, right now in Orland, you guys are—I say Orland or, or does the whole Southwest side and, and has done stuff a lot of other places. But I mean, right now, I would say that if if you have somebody with a six flat or, or a uh, eight flat or twelve or whatever, and you're looking for a renter for the person, well, if let's put it this way: if somebody all of a sudden doesn't pay for two months and is forced to leave. Because they lost their job, right now I suspect you you still are of the opinion that there's other people looking for nice apartments, and the, the person who owns the building might have a not get rent for a month or two, or might have to paint it or something. But three months from now, there's going to be somebody in there eagerly wanting the new apartment. But what if you were to spot where uh, you know in Janesville, and all of a sudden a plant closed, and there is no nobody else coming in, and it. All of a sudden, that person leaves. Now you have to look at that person's mortgage on the six or eight flat and go, "Hmm, you know, are they going to be able to pay it?" Sort of thing. And I guess I don't know the crossover there, but in some of these downtown areas, we probably have crossed that way, wouldn't you say, Jen? Oh yeah. I mean, one of the links in the article you sent out says that you know there's nothing to really worry about here because the retail vacancy rate nationwide is only 5.7 percent, which may be true. But if you take retail space, say, in any city center today and try to determine how much of it is vacant, I think it's closer to 30 or 40 percent. Well, I've, I've uh, well, when I, when I head out to or uh, Orland to see, oh, sometimes I'll take, I won't just take the expressway. Well, there's a lot of strip malls with one or two out of five places rented, right? I mean, are, are strip malls still, you don't do a lot of work in there, but there's got to be some strip malls that are gagging. I think... It's a better way, right? You'll see a vac like vacancies in you know, certain areas. It, it, you, you see them, and I see. I think everybody will notice that if you drive around and look, you'll see something on that you just didn't expect. That especially in a thriving little area that was once anchored by, you know, maybe five or six little mom and pop stores, uh, maybe one or two are gone. That that does that puts a crimp in the owner's uh, income. That makes the strip mall look bad, and it's something that like. Just starts to feed on each other because, again, uh, who are you going to put in there? A lot of times, and that's the problem. Well, on retail, you know, we, we you know we talked about these Walmart, the one big one. The other, they closed four WalMarts in Chicago, but 
three of them were the small ones, right? The neighborhood ones. And one was the big one down in Chatham that we've been kind of talking right. about. But uh, there was a guy, I remember on BBM listening to him, and I, I wish I'd had him on the show, but I forgot his name and I would have called him. Real expert on, on retail, and this had to be five years ago. Oh, I remember telling you about this like five years ago. The dude said that in, in the Chicago area or Cook County or whatever, there were, I think he said well, there was 100 square feet of, of retail space for every man, woman, and child. He goes, you know. I remember talking about that. I don't know why you're. Sometimes when you're coming through, sometimes you're not. But, uh, oh yeah, I mean, you know I, 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 my all the, my internet is all of a sudden flashing unstable. So is it easier for me to hang up or just hang in? No, no, hang in, hang in. Unstable. Okay. What are, you must be saying something controversial. Unstable. Yep. <laughs> the. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's you coming, know what? It's coming through. Every now right. and then, uh, AT and T. Uh, will drop you'll it'll as soon as it gets busy and it hands off to another satellite it'll go in and out for about five or ten minutes well that's that's right but but i i guess you know it, are we that you know overbuilt i mean where odd lives in orland there's a spot actually bell road's actually homer glen right on um correct well uh, yes so but on that street because i go there every sunday get my gas and talk to my guy about you know get coffee and so forth find out the, what's going on in the world there's a one of the one of the world's biggest Myers was it was the first store with the new footprint that's like as big as a block. There's a Menards that's massive. There's a Jewel. There's a what's what's the other what's the other wacky place where they sell the guns and and farm stuff. Uh, farm and Fleet oh. or whatever. It's like a poor man's no, Farm and Fleet. The big R no, it's or like something. R and R sub. Yeah, it's uh, it was, used to be R the big R, but it's not. Something else, John. You got the it's beard. Farm stores. John, you got the beard. If you put on the coveralls that are all dirty, you could go in there. You'd, you'd fit in. <laughs> I shaved my beard, John. Oh god! Well, you got to get the beard back to go in that place. I mean, they, yeah, right. Nobody I, recognizes. I mean, out there, they I mean you can buy a shed, you can buy a tractor, you can buy all kinds of stuff in there. Never anybody in the store, but it's but obviously they must sell something. Anyway, I, I I can't imagine how many people you'd have to have out shopping for all these places to be full. There's a Home Depot there too. Is there a Home Depot? And a Menard just got to be a block long, all within like what a quarter mile of each other, Jen? or uh, what? Yep. I mean, it's one of these centers yeah. to where. Well, the, the thing is, everything has changed so much, and not, you know, COVID had definitely shoved it along, but the whole Amazon shop at home delivery, Wayfair, anything, uh, pe- people are just not out and about like they used to. Uh, people's behavior has changed. They don't want to get dressed. They're living in yoga pants and sweats and uh, shopping online. And people are just, the whole socialization factor has changed to people sitting online, playing games with uh, virtual people who they never know. Uh, this, it's the whole empty shops, everything. It's all a whole indication of change in how society behaves, I think. When's the last time you... So ladies get together for a bridge game or a poker game or something. I don't. Is that even people even do that anymore? When you can just do it all online? It's it's kind of. Uh, I know people who still do. I mean, I I think if you, well, it's a whole different subject. But boy, I think if you, you don't have a core of real friends, new uh, people that are new generation and even older people who have let their friends go. Boy, if you don't keep uh, a bunch of really good friends close to you, I don't know what you're going to do in your life. Well, Janet, uh, for fun, for security. Well, Janet, who does? Or, or Audrey? I don't, I don't know what I would do without my friends. Well, I'm yeah, so well, lucky. Yeah, it's, I it's, have wonderful friends. It, well, because you 
real take, friends. You take the time to be with them. I mean, that's that, that's part of it. It's, it's everybody has to have it, make an effort. But my question is, when when people do this sort of uh, when I say retail work, uh, we, I just mentioned the place on Bell Road where somebody somewhere, Jan or Audrey, must have come out with a a uh, study that said, by the way, as people are moving southwest in this area of uh, Homer Glen and those kinds of areas, that, that there's going to be this massive push of population. And we, meaning the Home Depot or the Myers or the Menards, or the, well, not so much Jewel, they're everywhere, uh, we're just going to get ahead of it, and we're going we're gonna to have, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to have the best spots on earth. The other, the other place I see like that, and I'm not familiar with it, John, is uh, it's Route 6 down like in, in uh, Portage. Rodri had the place down at Ogden Dunes, well, Portage is the town. And if you go down to Route 6... John, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, well, there used to be a huge Sears, now they closed, but there's a Big Myers, there's a Lowe's, I think, there's a, uh, is it a Menard? I mean, there's like four or five of these massive stores right in a row, because somebody somewhere must have had a study that said, all these people are moving down into this northwest Indiana, and we're going to get ahead of it. John, it's been 15 years, I don't know, I, I'll go there on a Sunday morning, there's 20 people in the Walmart, there's five people in the Menard, I mean... How long can these companies? Maybe in the no, afternoon. Yeah, but you forget you, what you forget about what you're saying. You said the thing right now is you're wandering around in the store on Sunday morning at seven o'clock just because you like to get up early, and it's not like everybody's out shopping then. Well, I understand you kind that. Of are getting I'm, I understand the absolute that. empty time. But I'm saying for those stores to be full, every person in Portage has got to be out shopping. I mean, I mean, the the square footage is is dramatic. Well, you have to have what people want, or they won't. Well, I, I get it, come. but I mean, but I'm saying, are are any of these people when they when they anticipate this movement? I mean, when I when I, you know, when I when I say this, I mean, I was in the condo remodeling business a long, long time ago before I was even on the floor, and the idea was to pick an area like the north side or somewhere, and uh, or the west side, and in a, a pick an area, go buy some house that was you know nobody wanted, remodel a condo and remodel a damn thing, and all of a sudden. Two years later, the, being the, the yuppies found it. It's near an L-stop or whatever, and all of a sudden you sell it for a good dough. And, you know, I had a couple successes and a couple not so much, but I only did like three or four. But uh, people used to get caught then where you were the last time and all of a sudden your block was on the end of God knows what for like a decade before it moved downward. These guys can be wrong, John, can't they? Where all of a sudden yeah. you're not going to oh, get... And, and, you know, and if, if anything, the amount of data that's available now for analysts to crunch through and make decisions about, um, although there's a great quantity of it, it's probably less usable for forecasting than ever because there's so many other things that are not accounted for in the data. You know, take the lockdowns just for yeah. starters, which set everything back probably a decade or more. So any data you had before then, not taking into account that there would be no economy for a couple of years, I think you can pretty much disregard a lot of that data. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, so just because there's been a lot of time and money spent analyzing stuff does not mean that you get any any freebies about it. There's no certainties anymore in a lot of this stuff. And there's so many variables now that are getting harder and harder to control, whether it's crime or real estate taxation or an aging population or worsening schools. But these things together make a lot of this data pretty meaningless, too, because people are responding in ways that the analysts never thought about. But I'm, I'm going to I'll make a stab if I could find out who the he or she was, that whoever made the 
the, the estimate of the population surrounding the stores both in Homer Glen and the ones in Portage, I'll bet they, they're off by 40% yep. from, from 20 years I, yeah. ago. I don't think you're right about the Homer Glen. I'm there around that area all week. It's busy. The parking lots are full. Okay. Well. I mean, you know, it's that area is that is so populated. You're you're drawing from many suburbs right there, not just Homer Glen. Okay. All those parking lots are full. It's becoming its own hub with all kinds of different restaurants and everything now. So it's starting to. I wonder if it's on their schedule though. I'd, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I don't think the thing in Portage is doing well at all. I, mean, I don't think I don't know what's going on down there, but but I'm saying that the, just the the, vo- the volume. I mean, I, I don't know that Homer Glen needs. The Home Depot and the Menards across the street from each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, but to go back to you know how much square footage of real estate we quote don't need that we have. I mean, is is there just a glut that you can expect? I mean, the, the Walmart in Chatham. To be perfectly blunt, there's one two miles away in Evergreen Park, right? Yeah, I think one one problem, Tom, is that it was very cheap to build these things. I mean, you, you look at the average Lowe's or Costco or Wal- any of these big, they're, they're really just glorified airplane hangers. Um, there's very little outfitting. There's hardly any <laughs> cosmetic you know, amenities to them at all. That's they're true. Really, it's a warehouse. Yeah, they're, they're really cheap to build and, and, you know, maybe even cheap to maintain, although, you know, heating them and everything must be a challenge. But it's quite another matter to make them kind of profitable enterprises when people's you know shopping habits change drastically as they have and as cheap as these buildings were to build um i think they're going to be pretty hard to sustain as as a magnet for for shoppers or for other retailers to move in nearby i just i just don't think that the it's, it's going to you know be a sound financial choice to open up more of these things when there's clearly not enough traffic to sustain the ones we have. Funny you should mention I that, I see the Jan. same thing you see in Portage and other places, too. I, I can go into the lows up in Lincolnwood, but I got the sort of myself pretty much. I can count the people I see in there on right. any day, all, any hour of the day, really. I got a good one for you, though. Well, well, the Myers, like you say, is, you know, like you and Audrey have been saying, it's, you know, it's built like an airplane hangar. What would you say that you, how many people would be in there for that place to be crowded? Oh, I'd 500, 600? I mean, the place is huge. Yet, if you go by the, the men's and ladies' room, there's a spot about as big as our office that says, in, in times of like a hurricane, you got to come over here. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say that that area can hold maybe 50 people. What happens to the other 450? They just could drown out by the You're hurricane. out of luck. You're out of luck. <laughs> you, you You're better, all going to die. You, Women die. and children first. <laughs> So what? What I'm doing all the talking? What's happening up by you? It's still you guys are still pretty busy. Uh, Nancy last week was a little more optimistic than she has been, and people doing some stuff. Uh, what 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 causes a little bit of blip in the to the plus side? You guys have been having. Well, it's just you know for me it's been a very strong market. Uh, all all you know since January it's just been busy, and again that points to low inventory the interest rates backed off a little bit we're down in the, in the sixes now you know low to mid sixes so people are scurrying to get a house and here it's still multiple offers on a nice house and it's difficult to get one because people are as we talked about several times who's going to give up a three and a half percent mortgage if you don't have to it's people used to just move because they like oh i want a bigger house or i want a smaller house or I'm getting older and I want a ranch house or a townhome. And now they're like, well, 
I'll stay in the three and a half percent and fix it up and go to the Home Depot and, and uh, you know, Lowe's and generate business there and stay there instead of moving to get the higher interest rate. So a lot of it is just based on interest rate right now. I mean, if, if this interest yeah. rate, you know, dropped the point, all bets are off, more would come the market. But interesting to note uh, in our area, uh, listings hit a uh, seasonal high for the uh, year so far. So people are actually selling more. There's a, a lot more coming out on the market right now. So this is prime spring selling season. From now until about the end of June is when you see the biggest flood of inventory. So we'll see. But so far, it's uh, it's been a good year. People are out there. They still need a place to live. And so you, 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 they've got to go somewhere. Maybe without saying it intentionally, you basically said low six to low sixes. Isn't that... When you start getting up near seven, it's people go, eh, is that, that's a, is that kind of a barrier in there? Well, it's like, uh, it's the sticker shock, like going to the grocery store now. Uh, I picked up a bottle of ketchup last week and it was like $6. I'm like, for ketchup? Well, same thing with 7%. Everything's a sticker shock. And then all of a sudden you get used to it. Like you're reluctantly getting used to paying $4 for gasoline. It, but again, it depletes the, the the average person's style of living. It's not good. I'm not saying it's good. It's just like anything else. You adapt and survive, and you might do without something else to get the, the things that you want. You you're literally just carrying down what you want. You know what what you what you think you want to get what you truly need. And that's happening in. Um, wasn't that a so- Wasn't that a song? You can't always get what you want, but if you oh, try real yeah. hard, you always get what you need or something like that. That's right. Stones. Rolling Stones. Yep. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. Um, so That's right. So I, or, uh, Matt and, uh, well, Jan knows this. Let's talk about a goofy story. Odd and I and her friend, uh, Linda, terrific lady, we went out to Fox's at a pizza. Great place. And we go in, and the, the ladies behind the bar love us. And uh, this guy this guy ne- comes in next to us, and he was like, talk about a flash from the past, Jan. Guy comes in allegedly to pick up a pizza, like for the family. <laughs> he gets like a big beer, and he has what do you have, Jan? Or uh, like four shots, or some some number? You said he had five shots and three beers. And three beers, and, and he was there maybe was he there ten minutes on fifteen, and uh, <laughs> so it goes home with the pizza, <laughs> whatever. I, must have been his wife must have had her friends over. They didn't like him or something. He's going downstairs to pass out. <laughs> so I said to the, the the lady behind the bar, I said, you know, they used to have. Uh, th- you guys don't have anything called a chaser, do you? And she looked at me like I had four heads. Matt, do you know what a chaser is? Yeah, like you have a drink with you know you have something to chase your drink. But if, they, they used to have like what was it like a six ounce glass. Jan, where they'd give you like a regular beer was yeah. 12 ounce. There was a six ounce glass. Warmer maker. Yeah. yeah, if you just went in and got a couple of shots, you didn't want the whole beer. You had a chaser, just enough to chase the shot down. Mm. And she looked at me like, what's a chaser? <laughs> of course, if nobody has a glass like that, do they even have like six ounce glasses around right. <laughs> But this guy Show your age. This guy could have used one. I'm like, God, I hope I'm not <laughs> driving in front of this dude. I'm like, Jesus. But, uh, you know, he seemed fine and he walked out with his pizza. I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> uh, but, but no, we had a nice time. But he. Even even those places, uh, Jan, uh, they close. What do they close on Saturday night? Right, it's uh, like ten thirty, eleven. No, there's no after after movie, after game crowd where people are at midnight go out and have a pizza and a beer and stuff. That that seems to have all folded with COVID. I mean, there's been huge changes, like God says, and just the way people operate. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you know, normally it's got a bad uh, ring to it. 
Yeah, the young crowd is the ones that normally went out. I mean, I remember we went out at 10 o'clock at night and didn't come home till 4 morning. But, you know, the kids at least would go to the show, you know, go out afterwards. And at least maybe you went out to a club and went dancing, listened to some music and got home at, you know, 12 or 1. And there is no place to do that anymore. And, you know, the, the young kids are just, I don't see them going out as much as they used to. So, Matt, are you are yeah, you, out, you out stepping every Saturday night till two in the morning? <laughs> and I'm sleeping at two a.m. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's thank too expensive for most kids to go out too. What's yeah. your guys' market call this week? Right now, very we're unchanged. Expensive. All of a sudden, the market's gotten very slow. Uh, it's not moving. What's your guys' market call? Are we going up or down from here? Go ahead. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, if the market's struggling, and by the time uh, summer comes around, you're going to hit your summer doldrums and see some issues. Jen? Down. Oh, God. You and Carl, you're both down. <laughs> SP Futures down two. There's their Futures up two, so the market's flat. And neither, so one, one of you guys has got us waiting to go down, the other one's getting you down quicker. That's a great, that's a great thought. Yeah. <laughs> on, that, on that note, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I can't help thinking somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man.